and welcome back to this week's episode of the Keen Gamer Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Shamillard, and we've got a great show for you this week. But first, let's int- introduce the panel. Welcome back to the show, Marco Callahan. Welcome back, Mark. I don't know why, but as soon as you said, but first, I was thinking of Big Brother. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they say, but first, and I think about people walking backwards. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> also, welcome hmm. back to the show, Noah Rosenthal. Welcome back, Noah. Thank you, Kyle. Good to be here. Awesome. So we are going to break down the games we're playing, which is going to be a little bit of Horizon, some more Halo Infinite, as well as some more talk about Sifu. We'll go into the news of the week, which is the Wii U and 3DS eShops are closing down, as well as the return of Cyberpunk 2077. And at the very end of the show, we're going to recap or we're going to go through our personal picks for our favorite protagonists. The topic this week is kind of inspired by Aloy herself, who I think is... Maybe one of the best characters of the ba- of the past decade. We'll go through it all here today, though. First, um, I'm about an hour into the new Horizon Zero Dawn game, which is not even called Zero Dawn. It's called Horizon Forbidden West. And Mark is a little bit farther than I am. But I want to ask Mark, what are your initial impressions of the uh, new game that came out so, on Friday? I'm writing the uh, review for King Gamer. And right now, it's an amazing game. Yeah, and I will say up front, I think that we're going to go into kind of spoiler territory of the first game. It did come out in 2017, and now that the sequel is out, I imagine anybody who's listening to this probably has played the first game. There are timestamps in the podcast description, so if you want to avoid all spoilers at all costs, you can always skip ahead a little bit. But Mark, what has been impressing you the most so far? And let me just say about like spoilers from the first game. Mm-hmm. Like they drop you in like yeah. it takes place a couple months after Zero Dawn. So if you're expecting like, oh, they do give you a recap kind mm-hmm. of and you can always read like the character bios just to get like uh, information from the first game. Mm-hmm. But either play the first game or just watch a recap video. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I will say as well, if you are looking to replay the first game and kind of just like get through it without all the side stuff. And I know Mark and I have talked about the collectibles and the hunting grounds in the first game and how tedious those can be. My partner just started a new, a new game plus on the base game three days ago, and she's already at the last boss. So you can mainline the story of horizon zero dawn in a couple of days. If you avoid, you know, side quests and other odds and ends, but right off the bat, for me, it's the visuals. This has to be one of the prettiest games I ever played. And I think it's worth mentioning as well. We are both playing on PS5, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So we're, we're both playing on PS5. There is a PS4 version of the game, which I think looks pretty good as well. It looks actually just like a notch beneath the PS5 version. Um, but when I started playing, I instantly changed my settings to uh, uh, fidelity or sorry, frames over fidelity. I'm not sure about you but I much prefer 60 frames over the uh, the 4K res- resolution. Same here. If I got a 4K, like 60 frame per second TV or whatever my specs are, mm-hmm. and a PlayStation 5, I'm, I had to go with the, uh, with the specs. Yeah, 100%. Um, so the visuals are great, but I definitely enjoy... I wasn't, wasn't expecting the game to kind of pick up shortly after the first game. Because for people like Mark and myself and any other player, it's been seven years. But the game treats it as if it's been almost just a few months after the events of the the first game, which is kind of interesting. I I didn't really expect that. How about you? I was kind of expecting it, but like 
It's like, okay, it'll take shortly after, but they really drop you into it. Yeah. And um, without, like, getting into too many details, like, are you able to say, like, kind of how far you are? Because I did um, the first mission with Varl, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how far I've gone. But does the game open up a bit more? Because what I've seen so far has been incredibly linear. It does open, like, I got open the, uh, I got through the opening credits, which are stunning. And I can't wait. There's a mm -hmm. song that plays, and I want it on Spotify. Yeah. So beautiful. But... Like, it kind of opens up, like, you're in this small little village, and there's a lot of side quests, mm -hmm. but I feel like the game hasn't, like, really, really opened up yet. I think I've read on Twitter that it might take around five to seven hours for the game to actually go into open world mode. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've read that there's kind of the first linear mission, there's kind of a hub area, which I think is kind of what you're describing right now, and then after more missions there you kind of break into the Forbidden West and you have all of that area to explore, finally. Like, technically, uh, I am in the Forbidden West. Yeah, okay. Yeah, interesting. I, 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 I recorded, I did, a, like, a Let's Play thing for the first hour, so I was talking over narrative beats um, after this podcast when I restart my file and become a potato on the couch for the rest of the day. I will restart my file, but I am curious about, like, the geography of, of everything. Because is this one taking place in San Francisco? Is that the uh, San Francisco? Yes, uh, even Vegas. I heard. Oh. I didn't see any pictures, but they've been really advertising the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, I think that that's on like the front cover, which I have my uh, I have my lucky special edition of the game right here, Ooh. which uh, comes with a soundtrack as well as an art book, which is pretty cool. Um, when it comes to like some of the new features of Horizon, the one thing that I've seen so far that was a little jarring for me was like the grappling hook which they have a fancy name for it they call it like the the pole, pole shot, caster the pole caster uh so there's a room early on in the game and there's a giant gap and it wanted me to jump across the gap and then hit x to use the grappling hook to kind of like um gap the distance between me and the ledge so i could hold on to it and it took me about 10 minutes to figure out how to use the uh how to use that grappling hook mechanic did you have any issue with that at all at first, or was it pretty intuitive for you? It's been it's pretty good. Um, I feel like the grappling hook, like bowcaster, is kind of like a common mechanic in mm. open world games. Oh yeah. So it's that familiarity, but it, it in one part there's like a little double jump. Okay. Which you do like you like once you get to the ledge, you like jump up even more with a button but i don't know how to do that yet or just mm -hmm. don't know how to do it from memory yeah it, it was definitely like hard to ignore the grappling hook in this game in the first half an hour and be like oh halo infinite has, has a grappling hook horizon zero dawn has a grappling hook now like it is just the item of the generation i think when we look back on the ps5 and xbox series x we'll say man there was really quick loading times and there was a lot of grappling hooks in these games and also that Game Pass, yada yada. But yeah, yeah Game books. Pass. Yeah. Um, and I will say as well, I uh, there's underwater exploration in this game. And the first time I hopped into water and I started doing the underwater swimming, I was immediately filled with anxiety and dread. Because I, <laughs> I really feel like, and I, I, I said this before, if you go back to 1999, Super Mario 64, and you go underwater... The controls for that game are almost the exact same still in Forbidden West when you're underwater as a character. 
like the weird 360 controls, the, in- the inverted up and down, even oxygen bar that's like always lowering. I almost drowned in a puddle in the first half an hour of Forbidden West. It was all- it was very embarrassing. Um, did you have any issue with the f- swimming at all, or was that pretty pretty easy for you to pick up? You know, I. Uh... It's well, I haven't really explored it yet mm-hmm. because I feel like there is a new gadget that you get. Ooh, that will, that which will help me I've seen, a lot. which I've seen like in the uh advertising, like you'll go like further underwater so it's not like a pain. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm kind of that... waiting for that moment. Yeah, that'll be good to have. Um, a question for Noah because I know you enjoy open worlds, but you tend to enjoy more of the RPG open worlds, correct? Correct. Does does like an action adventure one intrigue you at all, or are you usually looking for the um, the games where you kind of help dictate the story? Uh, I'd be intrigued by action adventure. I mean, I mean, you might say Fallen Order is more of that than something where you choose stuff. Yeah, that's a really good point because I, I know how much of a fan of Fallen Order you are. Um, I think if you ever saw the first game for a good price, which is it's now on PC. Unfortunately, it's still not on Xbox or anything else besides Sony. But I, I'd be really curious as like kind of one of the open world experts I know what you would think about the world they've created and the objectives and the characters and everything else like that. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to try it. Yeah. Um, so, Mark, you're you're working on the, the review for this. I know you're mm-hmm. not. I know it's really hard to give a number on something. But if you're like quickly off the record, give it a score off your first three hours experience, four hours is there anything you could uh, you could tease us with, or at least a nine? At least a nine. Okay. Maybe nine point so... five. Like the only ten I ever gave for the site, or maybe just like ever of reviewing mm-hmm. was Midnight Mass on Netflix. Oh yeah, that's a ten out of ten. Yeah, I actually still haven't watched Midnight Mass. I really want to, but I never got around mm-hmm. to it. Um, so if Mark's review comes out and you see a five or a six, something terrible has gone wrong at the midpoint of this game. We'll see. I discovered underwater and it just went. (laughs) (laughs) It became a first person battle royale halfway through. It became really weird. Like, I don't know. All of a sudden I was on online server. There was a hundred Aloys running on an island, shooting each other with bows and arrows. It was awful. Um, and then Sony listens to this and just goes, Hmm, wait a minute. (laughs) Battle Royales um, are cool. Yeah, I will say just a uh, kind of off the cuff. I was at the movie theater recently, and I uh, before they play Uncharted, they actually do this really cool like Sony reel before the movie. So I got to see Aloy on the big screen for a second. I got to see Astrobot on the big screen for a second before Uncharted. I thought that was like a really cool thing because there's probably so many people seeing that movie who have no idea who any of these people are, but. I don't know. They had like a little thing playing that made me wonder, man, Sony might be like making movies for a lot of their franchises moving forward. Uh, I, is it weird that I got most excited for Astrobot? Yeah, me too. No, it's not weird. It's no, not it's... weird. I was the exact same because I love him. He's a great mascot. His games are amazing, and I think more people should be playing them. I thought it was a her. Her. Well, we'll say it. We'll say it. Just, just keep it, keep it, keep it safe. Um, light spoilers for the first game or for the for the new game. Sorry, um, I saw my first new machine, like one of the machines that's not in the original game, and that is the I think they're the the burrowers. Is that what they're kind of like? They have like the rays that they're like pew pew pew, yeah. like seeking. They kind of feel like the watchers from the first one. 
Yeah, but they're able to dig into the ground. They remind me of like prairie dogs almost. Aww. Have you seen them dig into the ground yet? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the first time that happened, it surprised me. And I was like, is this like Timon from like T- Timon and Pumbaa? Like what, what animal is this supposed to be? And why do I want one in my house so badly? Horizon universe, mix of Lion King. Mm-hmm. Sony, we're giving you ideas. Yep. Battle Royales, but- movies. I was thinking about this last night. If there was a, an animal that you could see as a machine in this game, like what do you think would be a cool one to encounter? T-Rex. T-Rex. <laughs> so yeah, we're, gonna do, we're doing actual dinosaur machines, all that stuff. And you might say, no, Mark, that's ridiculous. T-Rex is technically not an animal. And mm-hmm. I say we're talking about mechanical beasts. We're past ridiculous. Yeah, no, we're talking about video games. We can do whatever we want. For some reason, I was thinking last night, if there's all these like underwater uh moments in the game it'd be kind of cool if you're like underwater and like a mechanical whale would like kind of just like swim by like just something like not even something that you need to fight just something that exists in the environment would be so cool can i just say this uh, i discovered like last night when i was playing aloy might be the most relatable protagonist in my opinion for me yeah so this is a little bit of a spoiler so she gets some flack early on because at the end of the first game, she leaves a celebration without any goodbyes. And everyone's kind of mm-hmm. like, hey, you kind of like left without saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. Aloy gets disrespect for pulling the Irish goodbye. I am a firm <laughs> believer of the Irish goodbye. Yeah. You leave without saying goodbye to anyone, right? Like that's just the that's the move. Goodbyes are too tough. So I just abandon everyone. You're at a party with 100 people. You want me to say goodbye in- individually to 100 people? Listen, no. I'll say goodbye to the king and I'll leave. <laughs> yeah. No, and they did mention that in what I've played where Varl's like, hey, we're all like kind of upset at you because we had this big party for you because you saved the freaking world and you left without having any cake. Like, what the hell? Um, and then Aloy, and it's it's so believable as her as a character. She's like, I have other stuff to do. Like, I've, I don't have time to sit down and party and celebrate. Like, she is very... Sometimes I think to her detriment, where it's like hard to connect with her as a character for me, where she has a hard time just relaxing and having fun. I played yeah, about 80 hours of the first game and I, she cracks smiles. She'll tell like sarcastic jokes, but she's not like, you know, like telling knock knock jokes. I don't expect that from her at all, but there is definitely like a lack of humor that I do find hard to connect with with Aloy. I can see that. Yeah, totally. But. Yeah, I'm I'm so looking forward to just digging into this game today. I've had a busy weekend, so I think today is a day where I just sit down, get a couch, bag of chips, and just play like five hours straight of this thing. I, I can't wait, honestly. And I think the one thing I really love about Forbidden West, what a sh- sequel for a video game should do, mm-hmm. is not be exactly like the first game. Yeah. Of course, there's similar DNA, you know, all your weapons, but it treats you like you know what you're doing. Yeah. And I feel like the first mission was a good, like, all right, this is kind of like a tutorial thing, mm-hmm. eases you in. But, like, when I was discovering, like, if you mount a beast, like, in the first game, you would have to unlock many skills to automatically just call the beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was but like... now you can just automatically do that. I'm like, oh, that's convenient. Yeah, and there was something else in the opening hour. Uh, there's a bunch of traps that you find that you're able to dismantle. And I was like, that was like an hour 40 skill perk that you got in the base game. And now you just have it at the start of this one, which is very cool. Yeah. 
um yeah i'm i'm super into it um even like you and i both recently played the first game simple mm-hmm. things like picking up resources from down machines is totally different now you're more like picking and choosing what you're picking up there is a collect all button which is kind of handy um but they, they've changed enough where despite putting 80 hours into the first game over the last month it's feeling like a fresh experience which you know gorilla games is just they put a lot of time and effort into this thing and it's really showing and i'm only 50 minutes into it so go ahead ahead. i can't wait for the new weapons and when Mm -hmm. you craft the polecaster there's three other like little things i'm like yeah you gotta discover in the story Mm. i feel like one just from speculation is something to help you during underwater like some Mm. breathing but the other two i'm like oh what is it yeah no i'm excited um the last thing I want to shout out is the haptics in the PS5 controller feel really good for this game. They do. And some of the things with like the dual shock, because I remember when I was on talking about Zero Dawn, that was the thing I was most excited about. Mm-hmm. And granted, have you prayed uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart? I have not. So I don't know mm-hmm. how the dual shock is for that one. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is the first like true juggernaut of the PS5. Yeah, and it feels subtle, but you can notice it. it, it exactly. In the opening cutscene, you're watching Aloy kind of make her way through a storm, and the controller is like shaking in a way that's like not distracting, but genuinely made me feel like I was in that storm. Like anytime you're on like material, like if you're going up towers, like you can feel mm-hmm. like the vibrations of it. That like something like feels unnatural about it compared to like the glass. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, the bow mechanics, like yeah, you having... feel like the draw, and yeah. even like the slain has a little resistance to it. Mm-hmm. And it just it just adds a little bit of immersion to the game that like I just I think I underestimated when I first got my PS5, but now that I've played games like this, um, the PS5 version of Control did a lot of this stuff as well, really well with the trigger resistance and. Uh, the controller is shaking differently depending on what material you're walking on. Like, mm-hmm. simple stuff like that goes a long way. And I just have, definitely want to shout that out as well. Um, and I can't wait to play with the uh, official PlayStation 5, like, headset. Yes. With the 3D audio, like, how noticeable is that? Like, all the environmental things. Yeah, I played with headphones when I when I did play. And even, like, having Varl talking to me on this side while there's a waterfall on the left side of my headphones. Like, it does immerse you with that 360 sound in a really cool way. That's cool. Um, before we move on, Mark, any last-minute thoughts or things you want to highlight about Horizon Forbidden West? Guys, if you do an Irish goodbye, don't let anyone shame you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Aloy, if, if she can do it, we can do it, too. Yes. <laughs> Roll the story. That's the lesson of video games. If a video game character does it, why can't I? That's why I go around <laughs> stopping on Goombas all the time. <laughs> I don't know. Is uh, is Goombas uh, a Canadian thing? Yeah, that's what we call uh, uh, beavers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all those Goomba dams. Yeah, you know, back in my day when I had to go to school, I had to hop across 50 Goombas just to get there. Uh, um so that's that's somehow going to be a wrap on our horizon forbidden west conversation um we're going to shift yeah if you have a playstation 5 uh definitely buy it this is a must-have and like my concern right now is trying to play it for elden ring in five days i'm 
a little worried about having too many pots in the fire in a couple of weeks, but we'll see how it all goes. Um, we are going to shift over to Noah, who has been our Halo Infinite expert. Um, and I believe you wanted to talk a little bit more about kind of like the character customization process and the battle pass and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's kind of confusing in Halo Infinite. They give you kind of free armor sets that are each in accordance with a different like style of playing. Like if the the only one that I have access to right now is the one that everybody does, and there's another that you get for being a member of their subscription pay, mm-hmm. and and there's one you get for like another DLC kind kind of thing that's paid, and I'm. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not spending money to to play Halo Infinite. Uh, do, you but like on a, Game Pass. do you have like a rough estimate about like the U.S. dollar price of like a set? Um, it yeah, I'm really not sure. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, because I've never actually looked at of it because I've never been interested in purchasing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It, yeah, so you can kind of unlock things like a normal game. Like you play, you get a new helmet, you get new shoulders and all that, but it's, it's so limited. And, and I, you know, I play wanting to look like me, like mm-hmm. I, I would just recreate my halo reach Spartan, but I, I need to get the, the reach battle pass. I think it's called for it for that. And I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's not worth that. You have to get like the battle pass for Halo Reach, or there's a specific Halo Reach battle pass in Halo Infinite you have to buy. Uh, the the latter. Uh, oh wow, okay. Yeah, I've yeah I've never looked into it too much because I know like I'm not doing that just just yeah. to look the way I want to look. <laughs> yeah, and we were talking before we went live, and like my personal stance on this is I'm playing a first person game. I don't care what I look like because I'm not seeing myself ever. I can spend real life dollars so other people can be impressed by my cat ears or my halo or whatever, but that doesn't benefit my game at all. It's not making me claim zones faster or get kills faster. So that's that's my personal stance. And I'm I'm with you. I I dropped money into Overwatch. That was the game I kind of was in on the loot box of it all. But when I see an, a store for a game like uh, Battlefield or Halo, I just skip that page entirely. Yeah, same here. To me, in in multiplayer matchmaking experiences like that, whenever there is some sort of uh, like you, you have to be a certain level to earn a certain item, to me that's incent like it's like they're incentivizing playing in a way besides just the game being mm-hmm. fun. Like it shows totally. a lack of confidence in what in the game itself. Yeah, and and I just don't respect that. But, the best player customization I've ever experienced, believe it or not, was ESO, where oh, cool. you, yeah, you, you have every single player character looking completely different from each other. And then mm-hmm. it was great. Now you, you have your armor and and your look was separated from the material, which I believe it or not, I hope they do in future Elder Scrolls games. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like that you can look how you want without it compromising your armor's ability to help you. Yeah, and you can color it. You, you dye it different colors, and it was it was really cool. Very well done customization. I've seen like multiple times where like when you start a Halo multiplayer match, it will like kind of camera will zoom in on every individual player and like be like, "This person's playing. This person's playing." And the amount of times that's done that, and every single person's just wearing the exact same skin, yeah. is very funny to me. I actually like really enjoy that. It, 
Yeah, the skins are are weird to me. I I don't get why they wouldn't just let you choose your colors. Like at, yeah. at the very least, like I can't choose my armor. Let me let me be the, the black rose colors. I want yeah. want my crimson red, gunmetal green, and then black. <laughs> yeah, like would it be hard for them to add a color wheel that you just like right. slide and choose the shading, and you're you have a a nice unique skin color almost that you know people would recognize maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, just let like at the very least, like pick. Let me pick my colors, man. <laughs> yeah, and I I totally agree with your point that it almost feels like a lack of confidence on uh three four three's part, where they're like, okay, we got to have these daily challenges and these uh, bonus experience things and these daily grind missions, so people keep playing our game, not because it's fun and that people love Halo, it's because they want to grind for the the new pink pants for Master Chief. I don't know. Yeah, or the the cat ears. Cat ears. Yeah. Like I would probably grind for cat ears. The things I would do for cat ears, I won't mention on this podcast. But, um, Mark, do you have any thoughts about like kind of this like culture and these online games using um outfits to make players play more of the game that they might not want to, or they do? Is there actually hot pink pants in Halo Infinite? Because if it is, I'm buying an <laughs> Xbox. Yeah, you know, I can't recall anyone being pink, actually. Maybe yeah. there's not a pink color wheel. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting well, for parachute pants. That's all. Yeah. Once, once Master Chief has parachute pants, I'll be all in. <laughs> once Halo goes to the 90s style. Yes, yes. But um, I feel like outfits, unless it is for a superhero game. Because mm. I like that variety. Like, oh, this is from that series, or this is from like that variation. Yeah, I won't say like, Marvel's Avengers? No, not really, because that's just uh I'm not gonna say different kind of grinding. It's like, no, you gotta just pay for that. And it's like, really? Yeah. But something like Injustice, where you have to grind, I mean, you can pay monetization, but if you just grind, yeah, it's worth the reward. Yeah, totally. And unfortunately, like Halo doesn't have that much like visual medium to pull back from. Like it could have like, oh, Here's a reference to one of the uh, Halo novelizations, but many people won't probably pick up on that, right? Uh, it, yeah, I'd say most players probably have not read the books. It'd be really cool, though, if like Halo had skins that are like, hey, here's Commander, uh, here's the Commander from Halo 2's outfit. Here is this character's outfit. Like, that'd be really sweet. Yeah, so with one of the battle passes, there actually are uh, uh, characters from Halo Reach that you can look like, but that but that's mm. paid. And I'm like, yeah. well, well, I don't want to look like them. I want to look like me. Yeah. Uh, I want my Halo Reach armor. Yeah. As somebody who like will casually play Fortnite, I never pay for the battle pass, but I do enjoy how that game, it seems to like over reward you for playing. Like I'll hop into a couple matches and then all of a sudden I have like seven unlocks. And I think that feels pretty good. But from what I know for Halo, I'm pretty sure you have to play at least like four or five to get a unlock sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's but Yeah. And you get... And usually I don't like what I get when I'm playing. Yeah. Like I see this helmet. I'm like, I don't want to wear this. It looks like something a background character would wear. Would wear. Do, you know, do you know if Halo, uh, are they handing out random items upon like leveling up? Or is it fixed? Like when you reach level eight, you get this specific helmet. When you reach level nine, you get this specific skin. Yeah. Honestly, I'm really not sure. Okay. <laughs> what I know is that I get something when I level up. Yeah. And usually um, I don't like it anyway. <laughs> While we're talking about Halo and appearances, I have to ask you, Noah, I think it was revealed yesterday in an interview with Jeff Keighley that in the Halo TV show, I guess Master Chief's face will be 
prominently featured, which is like something that the games never do. They never really have him outside the helmet. Does that make you look forward to the show more or look forward to it less, knowing that Master Chief will be more of a character with his helmet off and stuff? So I'm at, unfortunately, I'm in agreement with what most people have said about about the show so far. My, mm-hmm. I see it, it pretty negatively. <laughs> it just got yeah. renewed for season two already. It hasn't even started yet. It, yeah, like it. It just seems like nothing's going going right. Yeah, like, yeah. Look, leaving canon, showing Master Chief's face, but lis- listening to this weird rem- rendition of coming in the air tonight. Y- yeah, <laughs> the weird Cortana. <laughs> yeah, the weird weird Cortana. It's yeah, it's just not coming together well. Yeah, and Pablo yeah. Schreiber is Master Chief is unfortunate <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm cautiously optimistic for the halo tv show as somebody who is like a very casual fan i could probably go into it and get something out of it yeah, as somebody well, who knows what they're talking about i'd be more skeptic for sure yeah so you asked me about showing master chief's face uh, i will t- touch on that a bit uh, well first let me ask you like what, what i had heard was they'd show it like when he was a child but but you're saying oh. they'll they'll show it like as as master chief well if you want to uh theorize for a second let me pull up the actual uh jeff keely tweet here um jeff with two f's <laughs> Um, in an interview with IGN, it was confirmed that Master Chief will be unmasked in the Halo series and you will see his face. Doesn't say anything about baby Halo. Okay. Yeah, so I'd be okay with it like as a child prior to that mask going on. Mm-hmm. But the second that mask is on, no, you cannot show his face. That, that's a yeah. huge mistake because you, you lose the whole the whole symbolism of it like yeah. the, the idea is that he could be anyone it's it's a message telling telling kids playing halo anyone can be a hero you, you can do what master chief does and if that mask yeah. comes off then and that's ruined yeah it, it it creates like a like a bridge of disbelief between you and the character being like oh wait no that's what he looks like and that's not what i look like so i actually have been having a hard time relating to master chief now it, yeah, I, I like to imagine myself as Master Chief, but th- yeah. there are descriptions of him actually if in the book. Apparent, apparently, he's pale with with some brown freckles, and I'm a pretty dark skinned man, so that doesn't really work out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll be curious. Like, I I think there's a world where like the Mandalorian kind of does this right, where they have a mostly masked main character who will occasionally take it off, and when they do, I think it's usually pretty effective. So I think as long as they're not like doing it too much or like relying on Pedro Pascal's, uh, not Pedro Pascal, uh, Pablo Schreiber's uh, face to like have emotive scenes and like cry as Master Chief, then that'll be interesting. The, yeah, the, no, but Master Chief cannot cry. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not allowed to cry. No emotions for you, Master Chief. Um, so that's going to be it for our, our weekly Halo chat. It's very interesting. I know people are still playing it. But I did read, I think last week, that the player count for Halo has dropped significantly over the last three or four weeks, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, I also read that Battlefield 4 executives are blaming Halo Infinite for their game's uh, lack of success, which is very sportsmanlike. Hmm. Well, that's not yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah, it's not Aww. fair that your game is more popular than ours. <laughs> Battlefield 4 just like took their tank and went home. They're like, fine, we won't have an online multiplayer shooter then. Um, 
So that's going to be a wrap for the Halo news. I do want to touch on Sifu again real quick. I was on this podcast last week saying that the game was really hard. I was losing patience with it. I wasn't sure if I was going to see it through. Um, I took a couple days off from playing it and I went back and I had the best runs I'd ever had. And something about the about Sifu has really clicked with me since then in terms of the timing of the dodges, what combos to use on certain enemies, how to use uh, the environment and items more effectively. So I was kind of like meh on Sifu before, but now honestly, it is just like one of those games that is a mood. Like you, like I'm either happy, I'm sad, or I want to play Sifu right now. And the Sifu feeling is coming up way more often than it was a week ago. So I kind of just want to like glaze over that and just be like, Sifu is rocking my world. It's going to be really nice to have the open world of Horizon. And then I can also hop into the linear Sifu combat style kind of uh, to take a break when I need to. It is really hard jumping from Sifu to Horizon because the punch button in Sifu is the duck button in Horizon. And a lot of the mapping, it just does not carry over. But besides that, I'm having a good time. Uh, Mark, was Sifu something you were looking at at all? Um, yes and no. Like, I'm going to buy it eventually. Mm-hmm. But with Horizon and Elden Ring, like, that is my main focus. Yeah, uh, you were smart. You only got two games this month. <laughs> oh, I, I got to check my privilege. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Sifu, I'm really enjoying. Honestly, the main thing as well, it really makes me want to watch some, like, badass martial arts movies. So if anybody hasn't watched The Raid or hasn't watched movies like Old Boy, I highly encourage you to do so. If you like those movies, you might really enjoy Sifu as well. Um, so that's a wrap on the games that we're playing. We covered Horizon Forbidden West, Halo Infinite, and Sifu. We have some news to hop into. Starting with the um, the very, very sad announcement that Nintendo is planning on closing their Wii U and 3DS eShops. Um, I think this is awful. I think there are so many games that are digital only on both platforms that are now just going to be lost to the history of time. Even people who, even the physical games on Wii U are very hard to find. As most of us know, the Wii U was not a very popular console. So if five years go by and you have your old Wii U and you're like, I want to go find an old copy of Mario Kart 8, it might be surprisingly hard to find. Um, I guess when it comes to game preservation and Nintendo kind of just like being like, sorry, pulling the plug. Do you guys have any kind of reaction to the removal of digital storefronts and how it can impact gaming as an industry? I guess uh, Noah? Yeah, well, I'm wondering if they're planning like something like what they did in that generation when they started bringing like N64 games to the digital store. Like it is the idea that we we get rid of these old eShops now, but we bring back these games on the Switch eventually. Mm -hmm. I think I think that could be something that could be it. But I think there's about 250 virtual console games on the Wii U and 3DS that are currently not available on the Switch. And at the rate that Nintendo is dropping these games, it'd be about 250 months before we had all those games on the Switch uh, eShop, essentially. Um, There are games like Chrono Trigger, um, Super Mario RPG, like some really, really hard to find physical and great games that are just kind of going to be swept under the rug for a bit. You can... Do you mean Legend of the Seven Stars? 
Yeah, Super Mario you can, RPG. You can get that on the, the... Oh, I didn't I know this. So the last <laughs> time that game was officially released by Nintendo was on the SNES Classic, but they have not added it to the SNES online service at all yet for Switch. Uh, it, yeah, I I played that on an emulator when I still yeah. had the PC. That, that that was a great experience. Like, yeah. Like, it's like it's a, it plays like Pokemon kind of a little bit. It, it's a great game. It's a turn-based Mario RPG. I think the cartridge by itself these days is about ninety to one hundred ten dollars to buy retail or to buy used. Um, so yeah, we're just losing like a huge, huge part of uh, their back catalog. Even myself, like my Wii U is always plugged into my TV because I have so many old games on there across the NES, SNES, Game Boy Advance, DS, N64. Um, I think there's even like Wii games on there as well. I think I have like Metroid Prime Trilogy on my Wii U. It's right, so, it, it sucks. So which eShop can I get the Mario RPG? Um, right now you can get it on the Wii U eShop. Oh, I've got I've got to download that while it's still yeah. there. I actually would have loved if Nintendo in their press release was like, well, this is what you get for making fun of the Wii U. I know. Hmm. And they, as somebody who didn't do that very often, I don't know why I'm being punished for every, every, everybody else's sins. But Yeah, but I feel more sad about the 3DS. Mm-hmm. I never had a 3DS, but like, of course, when this news came out, a lot of physical games just got bought just so people can resell it for like five times the amount. Yeah. It's 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 awful, and the and 3DS... it's kind of like like yeah, with uh, the Switch, you can play some sixty four and NES, SES, but it's like mm-hmm. only through this service. Yep, and you it's like them people don't even want the service. Yeah, you, and you can't buy them individually. Like for me, I think a huge thing is if I could just buy one of the SNES games individually instead of paying for the whole service all the time, I'd be happier with that. Mm-hmm. Um. Going back to your uh, your thought about the loss of the 3DS eShop, we are losing some great games there as well. I think all of the Pokemon games from Red, Blue, Yellow, Gold, Silver, Crystal are on there. A lot of the Game Boy Zelda games from Link's Awakening to Oracle of Seasons to Oracle of Ages are on there. These games are super hard to find and super hard to play these days. And the 3DS was such a, was such a nice machine to open up hit power on and you're in the game in five seconds. Like um, even I want to shout out Metroid because there is not a lot of Metroid games available on the NES or SNES collection. And I replayed through all of them before dread came out last year through my Wii U. Cause they're all on the Wii U to play one, two, three, four. I think pinball is on there. I mean, yeah, it's just really sad. And obviously I love Nintendo and I I'm probably the, the big Nintendo guy and, literally wearing a mario hat right now um it it, it really sucks I'm, I'm glad that i have the games i have but i don't have the money to buy everything i'm missing before they pull the plug on this e-shop and at least with some classics like on the wii u okay classics in quotes <laughs> at least they got like ported to the switch with uh the nes ses 64 games yeah yeah they are going to be part of a service but like 3DS, like I see only a few games that would actually go to the Switch. Yeah, yeah. So we're losing a lot of Wii U stuff, but the amount of 3DS stuff is crazy. Yeah, 
and the 3DS as well. I think that 3DS store still has a lot of the games from the original DSi store. If you all mm. remember the DSi store. So oh, yeah. I think that's been running since about 2009, 2010. And that's officially going to be closed now too. So even a service they've supported for over a decade is now officially about to be just wiped away and never seen again. So I guess all I can really do is implore you, if you have a Wii U or a 3DS, just check out the eShop because there might be a game on there that you've always wanted to play or a game that's just really hard to find. And they really don't cost much on the eShop. I think your average Game Boy Color game might be like $4.99 or $9.99, which like a physical version of Pokemon Yellow is still like 60 bucks these days. So I definitely encourage everyone to go out dust off their consoles, see what they can find and and just pick up what they can for nostalgia or preservation purposes. Yeah, any last minute thoughts on that stuff, guys? All Not right. So the other big thing that kind of happened, uh CD Project Red teased something. I forget which day of the week it was, but they had a huge live stream and first of all, you guys remember Cyberpunk 2077? Uh what? You guys you guys remember the memes of the people like falling through the road and the cops spawning behind you as soon as you you did a crime. Yep, uh, I remember. <laughs> was wait, that part that, of the wait, games on like the, game? the Wii U? <laughs> yeah, that, that that was the Wii U exclusive Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> um it's been about well that game came out I think we were talking December 2020. So mm-hmm. it's been a, it's been uh well over it's been about 14 months. And they finally, finally, finally dropped patch 1.5, which is the, the the next gen version of the game for PS5 and Xbox Series S and X, as well as an update for the PC. And it sounds like this is the game that they intended to release 14 months ago. Hmm. They've improved uh, activities you can do around the map. They've intr- improved conversation trees. They've intr- improved how you uh, level up your character, like everything has been revamped and repurposed and the reaction i'm seeing on twitter is mostly positive the one thing uh i've read is that if you own the ps4 version of the game the physical ps4 version that disc is currently not working on ps5s i don't know why but cd project red is currently working on a patch so that you will probably be able to play uh the ps4 version on a ps5 um Noah and Mark, was Cyberpunk a thing that intrigued you when it launched? Did you play it? If not, do you want to play it now? I guess, Mark, I'll I'll start with you. I mean, before it launched and before, you know, all the critical stuff. Mm. Yeah, that was probably one of the most hyped games. I'm not going to say of all time, but like during that launch, like 2018, 2019, Mm -hmm. 2020, it's like, oh my God, this is the game. And then it came out and just... Is it fair to say that Cyberpunk was the Elden Ring before Elden Ring? Don't don't put that evil on Elden Ring, Kyle. <laughs> don't Nothing you would. put that evil. But every every E3, every Game Awards show before it came out, it was like, come on, Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk. Like everyone was dying for Cyberpunk information. And then it came out and it became the biggest meme on the Internet for about a month and a half. Sony pulled it from their store. They never do that. They told people you cannot buy this game anymore because it is so broken. Yeah, that's but... we don't want to make money, please. 
they had a refund players. Like I'm pretty sure Sony like took a hit on that because I think they had to personally do some refunds themselves. Yeah, yeah, I was hyped for that. Then I read those reviews. Yeah, yeah, just awful. But so you guys have you guys have not played it at all? Uh, Not at all. So I do have it, but you'll never believe what copy I have. The the PS4 (laughs) physical copy. Guess what? Can't play the PS5 copy. So have you tried putting have you experienced this error that people are having? I haven't because it's like. Listen, I'm glad they released this patch, mm-hmm. but what poor timing. Yeah, the worst timing in the world. I mean, we're talking about this giant open world game, Horizon. Elden Ring is next Friday. Kirby is next month. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what's the upcoming, like, quote-unquote dead months. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, not, like, maybe just one major game release. Maybe this... April june oh i don't know but 2022 is like a year where i don't think there's gonna be an off month i feel like this is the year where like we're starting to see all the games that were delayed because of covid and i feel like it's gonna be pretty like banger after banger week after week this year Hmm. which uh, am i will i play it in the future yes Mm -hmm. but am i like oh boy i this is the game no yeah I would like to get excited about it, but I just can't because I'm too excited for all the other games I have in front of me that are new games and not a year and a half old. I will probably boot up Cyberpunk again. Will I ever roll credits on it? I genuinely don't know, unfortunately. And I also saw, I don't know if it's a bug or a conscious decision, that if you have all the trophies on PlayStation 4, yeah, you don't get it on PlayStation 5. That so sucks. shout out to Connor Mitchell. I feel for you. <laughs> yeah, the, the Platinum King himself can't even get his Platinum. Um, yeah, uh, Noah, what about you? Like, are, are, Now that this new patch is up, obviously it did not look good when it came out. Are you more intrigued by it a little bit now, especially as open world RPG guy? Uh, a little bit, but is it on Game Pass? It is not on Game Pass. Well, hmm, $60. Yeah cyberpunk or 60 dollars i did see it was on Hmm. sale it was it was on sale on playstation at least for 20 dollars the day the 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 patch came out so they were trying to get people to pick it up for cheap that day as well but yeah like i said it it's cool that they did this and i didn't play the witcher 3 so maybe you guys know a bit more than i did i i think the witcher 3 had a similar success story where it came out and it was maybe a bit broken and then after a year they had updated it enough where people loved The Witcher 3 and were going head over heels for it. So that maybe this is just the CD Projekt Red pattern or game release style, but I don't know. It Like Mark said, it's just the worst timing in the world. If this would have come out two weeks ago when I was only playing Pokemon Legends, cool. I'll play an actual open world game that has good graphics. Why not? <laughs> um, but just overall bad timing for the cyberpunk stuff. But we'll check it out. Um, yeah, that's that's it for news this week. Nintendo with their closing of the Wii U and 3DS eShops, as well as Cyberpunk is back, question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, the topic for this week, inspired by Aloy, who I, I think is one of the best characters, best new characters in a long, long time. Um, I wanted to ask the panel about who their favorite protagonists were in video games, just in general. Um 
I wouldn't like Noah to go first because I we talked to him before the show and I was curious to see what he had on his list. Uh, well, I'm to say tack if I'm going first. <laughs> but, yeah, last week I, I talked about the the yeah. tack games. Remember the the first free, the four yeah. and five are uh, post show is bad, but the original free tack games you, I love playing as tack. And not tack from the TV show. Like you're talking about tack, the video game character. It, yeah, when when he was voiced, uh, what's that guy's name? It, it, <laughs> he he was voiced by the guy that voiced uh, Chester in in Fairly Odd Parents. Oh, uh, not Chris Kirkpatrick. Um, no, no, that's. <laughs> I think his first name is Jason. Oh, okay. Um, now I'm trying to remember who 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 was Chester at Fairly Odd Parents. He was one of Timmy's friends, the one that lived in the trailer park. Yes. Oh. So like the original guy? Uh, I don't know. Um, so Chester McBadbat is voiced by <laughs> J- Jason it... Mars Marsden. Yeah. Oh, I thought it says Frankie Muniz here. That's oh, what it was like originally. <laughs> Frankie Muniz seasons one to three, Jason Marsden seasons three to eight. Huh. Well, I, I had no idea two different people voice Chester. Wow. Oh, man. I hope I hope Frankie Muniz is okay. Just off topic. He's like he's also one of my favorite protagonists just in the <laughs> world. So I hope Frankie's doing okay wherever he is. Is there anything specific about Tack that makes you like or is it just like he's a fun caveman character that you enjoy playing as? Uh yeah, he's he's just fun. He's fitting for for that world. Like, like I was telling you last week, like whoever drew and and created this world attack takes place in like that, that was masterful work right there. You could spend like a whole 10 minutes just taking in the artwork, like looking around. It's yeah. I remember when platformers would be like in that cylinder. uh, Yeah. Yeah, like you know, there's artwork here, but but the map that where you're actually playing is here. But this way, it looks like there's something there. Yeah, yeah. like just looking at that cylinder for for these games is incredible. Nice, <laughs> Mark. Do you have any nostalgia for Tack and the power of Juju? Wasn't there a Nickelodeon show? Yeah, yeah, we talked there, about it there last was. week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Unfortunately, there was. <laughs> according no, to Noah, according to Noah, the show ruined the franchise. Well. It didn't root like it. I mean, it, they went they went back on like canon stuff. Like you mm-hmm. you you can never really d- expect to succeed doing that. And and I don't think the voice of Tack was the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that 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 sucks too. Then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we got Tack as Noah's number three. Mark, what do you have as your number three favorite protagonist? So this one, I'm not gonna say like basic. Okay, I feel like all my protagonists are yeah basic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they're no like it's no bug snacks. Ah, oh, bug snacks. Love bug snacks. By the way, they released a plushie, a bunger. So guess I've what I want it. for Christmas, Kyle and Noah. All right, wait. gotta get your uh, your fan bite wish list going. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I chose Ellie from the Last of Us series. Very good pick. Yeah, she came to mind last night. Not on my list, but definitely her and Joel came to mind uh but why why do you have ellie as one of your favorites just the transformation that we see through these uh first two games mm-hmm. and the first game yes she is a playable character for a little bit mm-hmm. but the second one just what ellie is as a character i think if this was like one of the best characters list yeah she would be on there 
yeah if there was like a top 100 video game characters of all time it's really hard to imagine a list where she's not in the top 20 to 30 at least yeah if we took off all the like hey this is like you get rid of like the pac-man yeah kind of characters <laughs> like these are like the important characters in gaming history but these yeah. are like the thematically like best ones yeah less mascots more characters and you think like she is basically in the first game a companion character mm -hmm. which i'm not gonna say like they're the worst but it's like oh instead of like focusing on what you have to do you gotta focus on this person and sometimes it's a bit of a drag but maybe it's through the relationship of joel you really do get to care about her but when she finally gets into her own, it just goes amazing on a whole different level. Yeah. And I, I really want to shout out the like the standalone um, like DLC that has Ellie and her friend Riley. Um, I think it's called The Last of Us Left Behind. Yes. It, ta it takes place before the original game and it, it, it kind of explores Ellie's um, a lot of her origins as a character and a lot of like what makes her who she is. And it's only, I think, about four to five hours long. I, it's it's amazing it's so well written so well acted so freaking tragic like it is Ugh. just it is it, it, i'm getting goosebumps just like thinking about the emotions and scenes of left behind add on to that everything that she goes through in La uh, last of us part two and you're looking at maybe also one of the most tragic characters in video games in recent history as well yeah yeah and Ellie is a good pick too, because man, I go through. I'm on the Last of Us subreddit sometimes, and the amount of people who have her tattoos, like she has obviously become so influential on so many people's lives. They get the the feather tattoo on their arm. I see a lot of people doing Ellie cosplay on that subreddit. So she has like she has definitely had a ripple effect on the gaming community in a really good way. Wait, there's a good part of Reddit. So surprising. Well, here's the thing about the Last of Us subreddit. Do not go there if you want people to like Last of Us Part 2. <laughs> yeah, and that includes every website, including our own. Yes. Listen, I really like that game. The further away I am from Last of Us Part 2, the more fondly I look back on it. I'm actually eager to hop back into it sooner than later, I think. Again, super busy time for gaming, so yeah. I wanted yeah. to, but I'm like, what? I got Horizon. I got Elden Ring. I got yeah. Kirby. When they when they announced Last of Us Part Three in 2025, I'll finally get back on the, on that saddle and play through those games again. Or at least when the HBO series comes out next. Oh year. right, yeah, yeah, right. Oh, I'll definitely replay them before that. Which I'm listen. I have a lot of video game adaption uh, pessimism in this podcast, but I actually have hype for Last of Us the TV show. Um, also, we didn't talk one-off news story might as well do it here that followed tv show they cast walton goggins as a ghoul great casting uh if anybody doesn't know walton goggins from uh the hateful eight righteous gemstones um justified he is just a great actor all across the board i can't wait to see him as a ghoul in fallout um so ellie was mark's number three my number three is kind of topical because there's kind of a movie about this guy playing in theaters near you uh, Nathan Drake is genuinely a really great video game character. Uh, despite the fact that he kills probably about a thousand dudes a game, um, he has like great humor. He's very relatable. Um, he's very down to earth. He's not full of himself. He's just somebody who I who I can look at and try to relate to, despite not having nearly half the muscle mass that he does. Um, so Nathan Drake is my number three pick. 
I'm not, I'm going for the video game version. My opinions on the movie are out there and people know I don't really want to be a part of it. So, so the Nathan Drake from Uncharted 1, 2, 3, and 4, I think is one of my favorite characters, especially as somebody who started playing Sony games for the first time in 2013. And one of those first games was Uncharted. So I think there's also a nostalgia to his character as well for me. Uh, you guys have any strong feelings about Nathan Drake? Mark? Great pick. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Like, I know. <laughs> By the way, you do have the muscle mass, and I hate myself right now looking at you two. Bad hair. I have a hat on. In this light, I look like I have a double chin. <laughs> it's not – I love podcasting, but not a not the best feeling right now. Listen, the reason I have my arms cut off in the video version is so that you can't see my little, like, chicken leg arms. <laughs> There's Aww. no muscle on them. They're just barely hanging on. Um, Noah, what is your number two favorite video game protagonist? My number two favorite video game protagonist is going to have to be Sierra 117, Master Chief. There he is. Uh, with the mask on, though, right? With the mask on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're doing Batman voice for Master Chief. I actually really like it. Yeah, I, I was hoping that I was hoping that it'd be better. I can do Master <laughs> Chief bet, better than anyone that's ever tried to replace Steve Downs. It's, it's <laughs> because I've been talking so much, but my throat's now a bit too loose to do it. But of course. So, <laughs> so what about Master Chief? I know, I know, I kind of know what the answer is. But if you were to explain why he's your number two, what do you think uh, helps cement him in that spot? Well, it'd have to be the symbolism I was talking about earlier with with the mask. Like when when that's on, you can picture him being you, and and that's part of what inspires people to play Halo. You you mm -hmm. watch him do these incredible things, and you can imagine that it's you. Yeah, and yeah, at least for me, that really helped helped me in life. Like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on a video game podcast now because Master Chief taught me to to believe in Noah Rosenfall. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like when it comes to console gaming, was there any other first person protagonists that were popular before Halo came out? There's a lot of like third person heroes like Mario, obviously, and Crash Bandicoot. But before Master Chief, was there ever a character on console, not PC, that you're looking through their eyes and becoming? Huh, um... I guess James Bond and like Goldeneye, but like that's already a established character. So uh, it, it just it came to me randomly. I'm wondering if that really helps him become a favorite character for so many people because he was almost the first character many of us became hmm. yeah in a way. yeah i can't think of anyone else so my first first person shooter would have been halo reach where and he's not in that game mm. uh, it, I, I say uh, yeah i say console because like there was doom on pc there was quake on pc but like even even that is a little bit different than like you are playing this character through a story mode uh yeah Mark, any thoughts on Master Chief as a character? Uh, you know, I've never played a Halo game. Yeah. Hmm. So am I Master Chief? Can <laughs> I be can Master, be Master Chief? Chief? Yeah, man. I do cry a lot, so hmm. I don't know if I could. Um, check your mail in the next week or two. I'll, I'll send you the official Master Chief newsletter, and then you'll you'll be one of us. <laughs> Is it kind of like being a priest or uh, it's kind of like uh you have the ability to marry people it's like you just have an online certificate and boom you're official mm, don't read the fine print on the thing i send you just sign it oh don't okay. ask any questions yeah yeah yeah. I, that might be in there that might not be um yeah yeah very cool mark what is your number two pick you know it's fitting that you have a mario hat 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I was gonna pick Mario, but I'm like, mm-hmm. you know who's better than Mario? Are you gonna say Luigi? Am I gonna say Luigi? Of course, I'm gonna say Luigi. Really? That's yes. awesome. Is that's that so? Oh, that's cool. I love that. Is, I was gonna say, is that one of your picks? No, it's not one of my picks. I'm so happy you picked Luigi over Mario, though. That's so great. <laughs> because Mario, I mean, Mario's a great character, and it's like, do they have character? Not really. But yeah, I feel but like he, Luigi yeah. has character. He Either has personality. In the, in the Super Mario, in the Luigi Mansion, like he's a guy who does not want to do this. He is scared. He's nervous, but he gets the job done. Can we also like remember like how aggressive he is at Mario Kart? Like, do you remember like the Luigi stare slowdown memes from like Mario Kart Eight when it yeah. came out originally? <laughs> like Luigi yep. has he has like a spectrum of emotions. He he will like throw a banana peel in your face, or he will pee his pants while looking at ghosts. Exactly, and it, it's like you just want to give Luigi a hug. Yeah, I mean, one of the best years of my life was the year of Luigi. Uh, I think that was the year 2012 when Nintendo was doing their, oh, hey, it's Dr. Luigi. Oh, hey, we're doing Luigi-focused content for an entire year. Why not? I was just about to say the year of Luigi was the best year of my life. It was a good year. Um, and I, and they've never done that before. Like they, they, they didn't do it before and they have not done it after where they just choose a character and celebrate them. I'm still hoping that like 2023 will be the year of Waluigi. Like that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I but. just hope for the post-show recap sake, Year of Wario. Year of Wario? That'd be good. Oh, my God. So you have, like, uh, Wario's Mansion, which, unlike Luigi's Mansion, is more of, like, uh, like a bachelor kind of mansion. The uh, ghosts are afraid of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a game I'd play. He's like Pac-Man. He would just, like, eat the ghosts. <laughs> and he would just um, fart him out. Yeah, I love That's Luigi's- canon. I love Luigi as a character. Uh, like I said, Mario Kart. He has a lot of personality in the Paper Mario games. He's got very funny dialogue in those. Um, Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, I think that's a stellar pick. Mario, you're okay, but your older brother actually has like personality. So, what's the helps. better game? N- new Super Mario Brothers for the Wii U or new Super Luigi Brothers? I d- I forgot about Super Luigi Brothers. That is the superior game for sure. It is. Yeah, uh, I think the whole gimmick there was like 90 second levels, like every level started off with the times running out sound. And it was super hard. That was part of the mm-hmm. year for Luigi, even like yeah. uh, Super Mario 3D World, there's all these pixel Luigi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's like a Luigi. Th- I think I actually had it. There's a Luigi themed 3DS that I picked up mm-hmm. and I think it had Mario and Luigi Dream Team pre-installed onto it. Oh, he's a great character in those uh that's a franchise that should probably come back. I know. I, I love those. And speaking of Mario RPGs, uh, we were talking about Mario RPG. Um, the guy who made those Mario and Luigi games is the same director as um, Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo. And he was recently on a MinMax interview saying how he would love for one of his last games to be Mario RPG 2 for the Switch. Mm-hmm. So he said it. He put it out there. Maybe N- Nintendo heard him and will want to make a... Uh, 20 years too late sequel to that amazing game so my number two is a character that is probably not as well known as some of the ones we've said i'm not sure if any of you guys have played the yakuza games but the protagonist of most of those games is named kazuma kiryu and he is just like the nicest wholesome man you'll ever meet but he'll also like 
he'll also fight three tigers at once and win that fight somehow. Um, Kazuma Kiryu, for those who don't know, is like a very young member of the Yakuza who has really high morals and is really not patient with a lot of the bullshit that happens in that industry. So this is a character who, over the course of about seven games, you watch him go from like low Yakuza rookie to the owner of an orphanage where he takes care of like nine kids and he helps them with their like school troubles. And he's also still still doing Yakuza stuff on the side. Um, He's also a guy who's a lot of fun to play as because he's going out into uh, his area and he's doing karaoke. He's doing uh, baseball. He's doing side quests to help every civilian out he can. So for those of you who who know Kazuma Kiryu, he's just so great of a person that he had to be on my top three protagonist list. And I believe, I think almost all of the Yakuza games are on Game Pass. So if you want to check those out, I would recommend starting with Yakuza 0, which will give you a good insight to his origin story, as well as kind of the Yakuza universe as a whole. So, you guys play Yakuza at all? No, but now I want to. No, man. I would love for you to play Yakuza and to get your uh, feedback on it. It is one of the wildest and... I think Yakuza Zero is just amazing. Um, so Noah, what is your number one? Yeah, my number one is going to be, believe it or not, an Elder Scrolls character. Oh, I was yeah. gonna say Sonic. Yep, I'm, I'm <laughs> the, yep, I thought my, it was gonna be my number one. Okay. Oh, yeah, my, my favorite protagonist is Martin Septim from the Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion. All right, I think you're gonna have to explain okay. him to me. And Mar- I don't know who he is, Mark. Do you know who he is? A little bit, but hey, I love it. Noah, let us know more about this guy and why he's your number one protagonist. So Martin Septim in that universe ends up being a very Jesus-like character. Yeah, he's he's also very much like Jon Snow from Game of Thrones, which mm-hmm. is really interesting because he was voiced by Sean Bean, who who plays Ned Stark in Game of Thrones, oh. the father of Jon Snow. Oh, so cool. I wonder how much like at that point when he was still on the show, like how much he knew about what Jon Snow's character would be, because it ends up being so much like Martin Septim. So, yeah. What, what's hmm. the Venn diagram there? Like what, where, what are the story paths that they share? So, and they're both, they're both people that lived for most of their lives as regular average Joes, just thinking this is who I am, but little did they know they, they find out a uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Eventually, they find out, and they're actually royalty, and they're it, and they both find out, and they're technically the rightful heir to the throne, the, the the current vacant throne. Yeah, yeah, and that completely ch- changes them. It's especially well done with Martin Septim because because he immediately finding this out, he he becomes what the people of, of that universe need him to be. He, he becomes the hero they, they need and, and leads them as their, as their emperor, even though like, you know, no one had any idea he existed pri- prior to, to this storyline taking place. And it's terrific, terrifically voiced by Sean Bean that I can do this impression as well. That hopefully that this <laughs> is better. So, Soldiers of Cyrodiil. The Empire will stand or fall by what we do here today. All right, that, that's, that's that good. was okay. I, I can do a bit better. Yeah. I guess I, my question is if you do a good Sean Bean impression, you would also die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I guess my question would be, is this, is this the main quest of Morrowind? Is this like a side quest that you're doing? The main quest of Oblivion. Oh, sorry, Oblivion. Yeah, game, game later. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons that a lot of people have nostalgia for that game. It's it's this different experience with really him being the main hero and you being mm-hmm. more of a background character. Was this one of the first, like, because um, I know Bethesda will have, like, a Liam Neeson in uh, Fallout 3, or they'll have, uh, is it Matthew Perry in Fallout 4 or something? Was uh, Sean, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure who you're thinking of, but but yes, because Sean Bean was a major casting and a major role. Yeah, was he, like, one of the first ones for, for Bethesda to, like, be like, oh, we got a big name to voice one of our characters? It, yeah, it's that that era. Yeah, that's very cool. Um yeah, I, I don't know much about the character, but it sounds like he's got like a rich history, rich lore to him. Um, quite the arc in the game, it sounds like, too. Yeah, like it, and a, a heavily inspirational guy. Like it, it's weird to be so inspired by video games, but mm. like marching behind him to, to the Battle of Bruma, the, like that's that's an experience it right there. And that just goes to show like what a terrific protagonist he was. Because like out of nowhere, he he's told you need to be our emperor now, and then he heroically leads his people against an army of evil. <laughs> I guess like my last yeah. question would be like, is this a role that Sean Bean plays where he doesn't die? It sounds like he doesn't die in this. Uh, uh I'm I'm not going to reveal that just oh, yet. Oh <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's Sean Bean, so now yeah. I'm really worried. <laughs> yeah, like it, like I I tell my my friends like because I do Master Chief pretty well and, and Martin Septim I I need more practice at that one, but mm-hmm. that I can do it. Like in in the event I'm ever signed to replace Steve Downs, which, which would be a a dream yeah. come, come true. And and it, 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 honestly, like I, I do the voice better than any of the other actors do. Like like going into that impression, <laughs> I was like, no matter how bad it is, it yeah. won't be worse than Pablo Schreiber's. Yeah, so, which I have, I I, yeah. I think I've heard his impression, but yeah. it, did not, it did not resonate with me at all. It, yeah, so I so I tell them like the only, like besides money, bet benefit, money, insurance benefits up all the all and then all the parts where I, where I agree that then at any point in my employment, Phil Spencer can eat my soul, <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. I, yeah. I'd ask. The only other stipulation is in the event there's ever an Oblivion movie, I get first rights refusal on the role of Martin Septim. Yeah, because I, I kind of look enough <laughs> like him to play him. So I'd be like, this is no Rose and Falls dream. I'm glad <laughs> that you have all of your terms already planned and sorted out. That way, when this does happen to you, you'll already be ready for it to to negotiate. But, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully in one of our podcasts, I, I can do a better impression. It's it, yeah, it's Master Chief. You need you need to kind of have a gravelly throat. Yeah, it, I'm going to start a. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start tagging 343 and Paramount whenever we post the podcast, just to make sure that they're listening. Right. <laughs> um, Mark, what do you have as your uh, your number one pick for your favorite protagonist of all time? Well, it's interesting that Noah mentioned Jon Snow and Jesus. Because mine is <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> Bible studies too. What? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't judge you if your favorite protagonist was Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's a great cool. powers in the game. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> a story. <laughs> no, my I'm so happy no one said it yet. Was Ezio Aridole from the Assassin's Creed series? Okay, you're okay. gonna have to tell me. Yeah. Okay, so this is a character who I've heard so much about. I had never played an Assassin's Creed. What is it about Ezio that makes him the favorite? 
protagonist out of all the like the other ones from the Assassin's Creed games. So just to go a little bit into my history of so like growing up, like I played video games and I know I named Luigi as number two. They had like I played movie tying games and yeah. Nintendo games. Like there was character, and it's like, yeah, SpongeBob if was my favorite protagonist, if you ask me in 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a video game. Yep. But then for Christmas, I got Assassin's Creed 2. And just playing as Ezio blew my mind. So in the main context of the Assassin's Creed, you have the first one and you have Altair and he's okay, but he's basic. Mm -hmm. And the second one, Ezio is this fully fleshed out character. He starts out as this fun loving guy hanging out with his girlfriend and all of a sudden his family is wrongly accused and his brothers and his father is killed right in front of him. Oh, and that God. goes on a, yeah, that's Assassin's Creed. Damn. So he goes on this path of vengeance and he joins the Creed. And then there's two other games. Like, yeah, technically Altair is in another game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not technically. He is in another game. And some of the other characters are, I was going to say, like, only Ezio, but I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Cassandra is in another game, and this... Damn it. Yeah. Anyway. It's a weird so, way. So, Assassin's Creed 2 was so popular for Ubisoft, in my opinion. They made Brotherhood and Revelations just to have the character of Ezio. Mm-hmm. And you just see this character as someone who's just starting out in Vengeance... And then he grows up to be a leader and this respected figure and playing these two games. It's quite a journey. And you spoilers because it's uh, okay. It's not spoilers. <laughs> so in the, sh- they even did a short animated movie. Okay. About his final days as an old man growing, uh, like living in Sicily and going on one last mission. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited, and yeah, it's a terrible month for gaming for me. <laughs> or like, again, Horizon, Elder Ring. You yeah. gotta stay focused. Yeah, seriously. But they just put out the Assassin's Creed Ezio collection mm-hmm. for the Switch. Yep. I'm so excited to buy that. So, so from what I'm hearing, it's like his backstory and then his arc as a character is like what really uh, pulls players towards him. Yeah, but there's also so much personality. Okay. Like, it's not like, I'm serious. Like, he has great banter. He's charming, charismatic. Uh, No, I can passionate. see you. Like, do, do you have some uh, love for Ezio? Uh, no, but yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I wasn't sure if you were. Bye, Mark. <laughs> oh, no. Who, do you know who voices Ezio by any chance, Mark? I believe it is the same guy who does Sonic, Roger Craig Smith. That is his name. Three letter. Pretty sure that's his name. I can look it up right now. But yeah. Yeah. Roger Craig Smith. The same voice as Sonic the Hedgehog does Ezio. That's crazy. And that's why I feel like a little mad when he's not put up there in like one of the greats. Yeah. Like, of course, you got Nolan North. You got all these uh other actors and actresses who are great and should be in that list but i feel like roger mm-hmm. craig thomas or smith why am i saying thomas <laughs> should be on there 
Listen, I, I've gone this whole podcast without saying Forza Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm so proud of myself. Bah, um, you just said it. I, I In air quotes, I air quoted it. Um, yeah. People listening on audio, he did not air quote it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Roger Craig Smith. Yeah, with voice actors, everybody knows like the top five. It's like the number six to 15 that like, no, everybody knows the sound of their voice, but nobody knows the name of their voice um yeah like i was saying before Ezio is one of those characters who even as somebody who has never played assassin's creed you can't be in this industry and not hear his name you can't hear about the legacy i mean ubisoft is porting these games to the switch for a reason because there is likely demand for them yeah like it's on there's the remaster collection for xbox and playstation it just came out on switch mm -hmm. if you are i'm not gonna say intimidated because some people view Assassin's Creed as a Call of Duty. You just put one out and it's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Go play those games. You get all the DLC. You get two short films, including like his last days. Mm -hmm. It's, and it's probably like cheap. Yeah. Maybe not on the Switch. Like Switch is 40 bucks. But if I had to guess PlayStation, Xbox, 20 to 30, maybe 40. Is there a part about like playing on Switch that like really excites you? Like, oh, I can play these games I love like now before bed or like now on my way to work or something. One hundred percent. If I cool. don't have to leave the bed and tilt my head up. <laughs> yeah, that's a win. That's the dream. That's a win. Well, very cool. Actually, I forgot about Ezio and I, I kind of should have foresaw him appearing on this list because I just I just know how popular he is with everyone. Um, My number one may not be much of a surprise. There's literally a cutout of her right over my shoulder. I love Samus Aran so much from Metroid. Um, ever since I was a young kid, I got my N64 and Smash Brothers for my birthday back in like 99, I want to say. And when I booted up Smash Bros for the first time, I'm like, I know Mario. I know Luigi. Who the hell is the badass in the metal suit? <laughs> um, and at the time, being a kid, I had a, we had barely had internet we may have just got a computer for the first time that year i didn't know what she was from i actually didn't even know it was a she for a very long time because she's wearing the armor but i said mom dad you gotta buy me the game from that this character is from and every two weeks they'd come back from walmart being like the, the staff says there are no metroid games for 64 and i was just so upset eventually i would get metroid prime the first one for gamecube my first time actually able to play as samus outside of smash bros and Talking about playing as characters from their POV, like Master Chief, playing a first-person Metroid game, being Samus in that armor really helped make me bond with that character. And I really have to credit Metroid Dread with doing some really, really great character work with her in that game. Just kind of showing more of her trauma, showing more of what she's had to overcome to get to where she is today. I think Met I think Samus is single-handedly my favorite video game or character of all time uh or protagonist of all time uh i just love her morals her values she's badass she has she can shoot like lasers out of her arm what more can you want from a hero really so yeah she do right. razors out of two arms she can turn into a ball and <laughs> jump <laughs> oh, okay you want me over yeah can Ezio do that i don't <laughs> think so I mean, if he does a somersault, technically. Oh, actually, yeah. He, he can swan dive, and that is pretty cool, actually. I've never seen Samus swan dive before. Not yet. Not yet. Have either of you guys played a Metroid or played a Samus, or have you only seen her uh, from like the from afar? 
Yeah, for me, only in like Smash and Nintendo Land. Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo Land as well. She has that great uh, level where you're playing your me in the body armor and you're fighting like yeah. Kraid and Ridley and stuff. Yeah, it, right yeah that, that. that one's fun, but it's a, a bit too hard for, for some players. Because I think you need to use the gamepad to navigate where you're aiming. And I think that can get a little hard to stay synchronized with your with your TV. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And then, Mark, you haven't played a Metroid before, have you? Only in Smash, but I yeah. do want to play uh, Dread. Mm-hmm. And even though it wasn't a problem for me, like there's more incentive. They just came out or will come out with like a difficulty mode. Like it'll be like yes. a bit easier. Yeah. It wasn't for really anyone, the yeah. gameplay. It was more of like, I mean, of course I can ask you, do I have to know anything about Metroid Tread before playing it? Not really. It will do kind of like Forbidden West. It will do a recap of the first four games to kind of let you know what you need to know before you start the adventure. I would I personally play through the first four games before Dread so I could experience her journey up to that point. But you can hop into Dread without playing any of the other ones incredibly easily. It's very intuitive. It will let you know what you need to know. And, and that's about it. But yeah, I, I love Samus. I actually even read the uh, the Japanese only manga. I read the English fan translation of that a couple months ago because I was just so invested. I wanted to know as much detail as possible about her. And I think there is like a. 16 issue run in japan in the early 90s about uh samus that they released so that was really cool uh did and either I think, of you guys oh go ahead Mark. and i think the cool thing about samus is you know how i mentioned like there's the legacy characters like of course you're gonna put pac-man and all these like i feel like samus is somehow both a legacy character yeah. and someone like a phenomenal character with backstory and personality even without like playing it just seeing it from afar yeah when you have both of those things come on that's a really good comparison like that's really good it's like also like if they were to try and reboot like pac-man and it was like this is pac-man he's a single father of three it's like a missed out fire situation like buying it a, he doesn't he doesn't need the same backstory that samus does whoa whoa, whoa wait a second okay <laughs> nintendo i'm gonna pitch this to you mm-hmm. so pac-man he gets divorced. <laughs> yes. Figure me out. So in order to see his kids, he acts like their nanny. He becomes <laughs> Mrs. Packfire. Mrs. Packfire. It was the Hello. exact plot of Mr. <laughs> it was the exact same plot of Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm, I'm gonna eat some ghosts. Oh my god. I have first right to refusal for that. Yep. I think that's Naughty Dog's next project, actually. I read a leak the other day. Uh, Last of Us 3 and then Gritty Pac-Man reboot for, for Naughty Dog. <laughs> yeah, people thought it was the Last of Us remake. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's Mrs. Packfire. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Um, did either of you guys have any characters that almost made your list but but didn't quite make the cut? Noah? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about Mario. That, and I was like, yeah, that that's outside of my pitch to do an impression of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we yeah. have to hire Chris Pratt to be on the panel for that. Um, Mark, what about you? We could have gotten Chris Pratt for the panel. He messaged me and I was like, listen, man, I don't know if now is a good time. You, uh, you're not well liked. So <laughs> I'm like, if Charlie Day wants to hop on for a call, 100%. Um, Jack Black. Oh, my God. Get Jack, Jack Black, Black in the cool. panel, Kyle. No pressure, but yeah, I'll see what I can do. But um, yeah, I was very I'm not going to say tempted 
when you said like, hey, we're gonna do protagonists, I wanted characters that weren't from other media first. Mm-hmm. Stepped in as like Batman and Spider-Man. Yep. Which they could have. The Arkham series is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you know this, Kyle, but I talked a little bit about Spider-Man on this podcast. A little bit, yes. Uh, just, just a tiny bit. Yeah. Like, they could have gone on my top three, but mm-hmm. had to stay yeah. strict. Yeah, I was also, like, thinking of, like, franchise characters like Spider-Man. Um, there's another one I thought of last night that was like, well, that's a movie first and then a game. And the game's good, but it's not, like, I'm not going to choose Mad Max because there's a Mad Max video game, you know? um i i almost put joel on my list um there are certain things that make me like that maybe not put him on, on my list um he's probably maybe not i i like to look at myself as a nathan drake or like a kazuma kiryu i don't really want to associate myself with joel from the last of us sometimes sometimes i don't agree with that character's actions and i actively just like despise what he does in the first game especially um but yeah but what yeah, a just, great beard you would have i know i know one day i'll have that great salt and pepper joel beard <laughs> yeah um yeah so i think that's going to be a wrap for us for the keen gamer podcast uh noah is there anywhere anything you want to plug or where people can find you if they want to find out what you're doing uh yeah if you guys want to check out my youtube channel it it's uh the black rose if, if it doesn't come up searching that then add bethesda and it'll be the first thing <laughs> Yeah, and I will. Uh, I've been including the link to your channel in the podcast notes the past couple of weeks, so I'll do that again for everyone as well. So they should hopefully be able to click the link and get right to your channel. Thank you very much. Of course, uh, Mark. Where can people find you and follow your work? You can follow me on Twitter at lilmarco five one two. Absolutely, and we'll keep our eyes open for your Horizon review. I'm looking forward to reading that. Hopefully by and probably by next Sunday. Yeah. Like, it's kind of tough. Like, you just can't play a couple hours. Like, I'm ready to write the review. It's like, yeah. no, you really got to sink your teeth in. Yeah. With and at least with, games, like, yeah. Guardians, like, there wasn't psych plus. It was just a linear story. Mm-hmm. So it was easier to, like, get through and write about. But this one, I'm sinking my teeth in. Yeah. I, I Like I said, I can't wait to play it today. And I can't wait to read what you uh, what you think of it overall once you're done. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Shamakai. Uh, if you haven't already, please check out KeenGamer.com. You can check out all of our great work that we put there, whether it's video game reviews, guides, opinion pieces, and we also cover movies and TV shows as well. Um, if you haven't already, if you can please give us five stars on Spotify, if that's where you're listening to us, it really helps us become more visible to people looking for video game podcasts. We really appreciate it. Uh, we will be back next week. Elden Ring should be out or it will be out by next yes. Sunday. If so, it got delayed, I would be sh- how? Well, I think they're still working on that server issue. I think I told you guys earlier that they're having issues with people uh using their servers to hack people's PCs directly, and I think that's still an issue they're working on. I thought it was just like the other Dark Souls games. It was Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, but I was under the impression from what I've read that they're using those same servers for Elden Ring. So they're they're still tightening that up before its release on Friday. So next Sunday, you can look forward to us talking about that, another topic, all the biggest news stories. Hopefully Wait, everyone out there. Uh, Ooh. I forgot to plug something, this great YouTube channel called The 60 Minute Mark. <laughs> I was going to bring it up eventually at some point. but No, it's great. I love the first video. All honesty. Pe- 
So I started a new YouTube channel called The 60 Minute Mark. The whole premise of the channel is to play exactly the first hour of the newest video games. I don't care if that hour ends during a cutscene or a conversation or if I'm telling you a story from my childhood. Each video will be exactly one hour long. I believe that most players figure out if they actually want to play a game within that first hour anyway. So let me show it to you before you spend money on the game itself. So that's on YouTube at the 60 minute mark. Are you going to do one for Elden Ring? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to do two before Elden Ring and then Elden Ring will be my my fourth video. I'm definitely going to look out for Elden Ring because even though I'm so excited to play it, I have Mm. no clue what to expect. Yeah. So at least seeing the first hour, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to get. Perfect. Yeah. And you can watch me die over and over and over Mm. again next Friday when I when I drop that video. That's why um, it's subscribed. Yeah, yeah. Please like and subscribe, of course. Same with Noah's channel. Same with anything that Mark does. We super, super appreciate any support we get from the listeners. Uh, hopefully you all have a good day. Enjoy Horizon Forbidden West if you're playing it. And we will see you all next week. Have a good day, guys.